Well, good evening, everyone. Um, if I haven't met you, my name's Ellie. I, uh, as Stephen said, I get to work with the secondary school kids here at All Dates. Um, it is a real joy and a privilege. And now I get to be here this evening and speak to you guys. Um, but let me pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a church. And Lord, I pray that this evening we would know you better, that we would know you closer and more deeply. Would you be with us and be with me this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have always had a fairly simple faith. I've had the privilege of growing up in a Christian family. Um, both my parents are in ministry. Uh, Dad was a vicar growing up had very faithful Christian grandparents, one of whom was a missionary and still kind of is on her uh, mobility scooter driving around her town, um, telling people how loved they are by Jesus. Um, so I have, would say I have a fairly strong Christian heritage. I would therefore struggle to tell you a time that I haven't known who Jesus was. Therefore, there hasn't been a time that I couldn't recount the story of Jesus' death and resurrection and tell you that I knew his love for me. I'd always believed that he died for me and that he forgives me for my sins and that he's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. I've believed all the stories that I've read in the Bible that I learned in Sunday school of Jesus turning water into wine, to healing the sick, his baptism, him in the temple, flipping over tables. All of it has been pretty easy for me to believe and then share since I was tiny. I remember being in year one in Miss Dodd's class and standing up the front and telling everyone I'd been to church and that I know Jesus. And I'd imagine for quite a few of you, because I know some of you, that is also the kind of story that you have, that you've known who Jesus is for a really long time. And even if you haven't believed in Jesus, maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you're hearing his name for the first time this evening, or maybe it was through a nativity at school or going to church with grandparents or a baptism or a christening. And for those of you who are hearing this for the very first time this evening, or for the millionth time about who Jesus is, I hope it excites you or at least intrigues you. Because all that I learned as a child and have learned throughout my whole life is still very true for me today and in my life. I've always found safety and comfort in thinking about Jesus and Christianity and my faith pretty simplistically. Jesus saying that he, is, uh, that he and the Father are one in John 10, to me, has always been easy to believe. I found it true. And as I've gotten older and I've read more of the Bible and spoken to others, whether they are Christians or not yet, um, it's helped me build my simple understanding of who Jesus is. And to reinforce why I decided years ago that I was going to stick with him for the long haul. However... I can't stand here and tell you that it means I've always been obedient in my faith or in loving others, as this passage is so clearly telling us to do. I found it easy to believe, but not so convenient to be obedient. But what I've got wrong with the simplicity of what I have believed 
or understood of God has meant that I've become a bit lazy. It's meant that I've lost the opportunity for awe and closeness with God at times because I've misunderstood what it means for me to be obedient in my belief of Jesus and in my practice of loving others. Our verses here in 1 John 3 tell us that we must believe in the name of Jesus. Now, what that truly means, I think, is to believe in the nature of who he is. It means that we have to read the Bible. It means that we spend time in prayer speaking to him and have conversation with others at church or in small groups or just around coffee to continue to kind of grasp the nature of who Jesus is so that we can move forwards in loving other people just as he loves. To know Jesus is to have a sense of thinking more highly of others. To know Jesus means to show compassion on others like Jesus did when the woman was caught in adultery and about to be stoned. Jesus protects her. To know Jesus means to seek to do the will of the Father like he did when he was in the garden and he says to God the Father, not my will but yours. To know Jesus is to love others as Jesus says, which means to lay down our lives for one another. As I was kind of reading around 1 John 3 from what other people said, um, I read this quote, which I found very helpful, although I can't tell you who it was from, so sorry about that. Um, It says, we cannot begin the Christian life until we accept Jesus Christ for what he is, and we have not accepted him in any real sense of the term until our attitude to men is the same as his own attitude of love. The second part of our passage commands us to love others. What this is really helpfully saying, this little quote, is that we can't really do this until we accept Jesus for who he is and for how he loves others. What these verses in 1 John 3 tell us is that we are to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And to believe in him means that we see who he is and desire to follow him for all he is, and all he has done by dying on the cross for us. And we get to choose to be obedient to the one who knows what is best and has the best intentions for us. Believing in Jesus means that we admire the way that he lived and want to be like him. You can't believe in someone and think the way that he lived was foolish. (laughs) So believing in Jesus will lead us to want to love others in the way that he did. Believing in the name of Jesus and loving one another are almost one thing. This is kind of how the verses link. So we believe in Jesus Christ. We see all that he is. We read about him. We read everything that he has done. We encounter him and we see that he was the best at loving. His love drove him to the cross for our sake, so that we may be forgiven and have true fellowship with God. His love led to our opportunity to being saved. If you can see these things and not believe in him, then I don't think that you can know what it truly means to fully love. As you read on into 1 John 4, which I'm not going to open too much because it's coming next week, um, we see that God is love. And we can't know love unless we know God. 
And the Bible's really helpful in explaining what love is. So I'm sure many of us have been to a wedding before, and Christian weddings often have um, the passage of 1 Corinthians 13, the wedding we were at on Friday in this church, 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, it says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the youth worker in me now wants to say, change the word love for God. So I'm going to reread it to you, but with God in there instead. Um, I know, you love it really. Um, God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. Is not proud. He does not dishonor others. Is not self-seeking. Is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So the Bible was pretty clear on what love looks like, as it's expressed, but we've got to be obedient enough to love like that. Oh, the challenge of obedience. Um, so next week, I think Will is going to be speaking on um, 1 John 4, so he'll unpack a little bit more of what that um, means to love one another. Um, so be here again. Um, but what I do want to say is that we, I think as Christians, are to be defined by the way that we love. When you know how loved you are, you're able to love so much better because loved people love people. Growing up, I loved the film Ella Enchanted. Anyone heard of Ella Enchanted? Maybe just a select few. It was a niche film, slightly. Um, Ella Enchanted is basically another variation of Cinderella. Um, it's got Anne Hathaway in it. Wonderful. Um, so Ella, Cinderella, Ella, um, is given a gift. And this gift is the gift of obedience. At first, it might seem like that's an okay gift to receive. Um, but quite quickly, you realize that that's not ideal. I mean, for parents, maybe it's great because she'll do what they say. Um, but otherwise, people really took advantage of her. That's what the whole kind of film is about, is this one scenario of her being taken advantage of, the fact that she was obedient. And other people were able to control her because of that. And things go really downhill for her. Watch it, it's a, it's a great film. Um, but her lack of choice in being obedient was used in a really negative way. As she wasn't really being obedient in the right way or for the right cause or for the right thing, she was being forced to be obedient to the wrong people and the wrong things. And I think that's what we fear with obedience, is that we're being obedient and it's going to cost us in an awful way because we have to sacrifice something for ourselves and it's not for a good cause, it's, it's pointless, it's not worth it. And since I was a little girl, I would say I've always had a strong sense of what the right thing to do was, and my sister can tell you that's probably true. Um, I remember being on the playground after school once and um, a friend in the year above, it was her birthday, don't know why this happens in primary schools, but... Um, if it's your birthday, you bring in the sweets for everyone else rather than receiving it, right? That's, is that, I don't know if that's just an English school thing. Weird. Um, but I remember that happening. There was a girl in the year above. She gave me a sweet because I was her friend. 
But there was a friend um, of mine in my year who didn't get a suite. And um, I felt really bad about that. I didn't feel like it was right. So what I did, rather than giving my suite to the friend, I went and gave my suite back to the person who gave it to me because I thought, oh, if, I, if she can't have one, then I shouldn't have one either. Then I went back and then she'd got one anyway, so sucks me. Um, I remember being in secondary school when my math teacher accused me of cheating because someone else had asked me a question in some of the questions that we were doing. And when he told me that I was lying um, and refused to believe me that I was in fact telling the truth, um, I decided I'd get up out of the classroom and leave because I was not going to sit there and be told what I had done wrong when I hadn't done it wrong. Um, even now, I have a very strong... You can tell I'm getting passionate about this, right? Um, even now, you can, I have a very strong sense of what is right and wrong. I choose not to buy new clothing because I don't want to add to the problem of people being in slavery to make clothes. Or um, even with lockdown recently, for ages I was so strict on not hugging anyone, only going outside for one lot of exercise, don't mind it, um, or, um, yeah, not hugging anyone. So I would say I'm fairly strict on what's right or wrong and what I should and shouldn't do. And whilst I may have been disciplined in doing what is right or wrong, throughout my life, I've not always found it easy to be obedient. And then consistent when it comes to being obedient um, or disciplined in my faith. There's a verse in Romans where it talks about doing the things that we don't want to do. No, yeah, doing the things we don't want to do rather than the things we do, and we end up doing the things that we shouldn't do. It's a complicated verse in the first place. I haven't put it quite right. Anyway, you get the drift. Um, whilst, uh, and then, so I think there's this sinful part of us, actually, that makes us do selfish things, which we know aren't right, but we continue to do them. There's even a proverb that says, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Our own mistakes we blame God for, even though it's our own fault. Like, how human are we that we do that? Literally, the first humans in existence did what was wrong, even when they knew it was wrong. God said one thing, Adam and Eve did another. We're not that much different, are we? So, they knew God, yet they weren't obedient. They didn't love one another. Adam even blamed Eve for what had happened. Now, my family will tell you, the, song, the strong sense of justice that I have, or doing what is right or wrong, is something I've probably always had, and would be a way that they'd probably describe me. But what is the point of this if I don't see that it comes from God? Jesus sought justice when he walked on earth. He stopped a woman caught in adultery from being stoned to death. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He sought justice. And not just for the sake of it, to look like a good guy, but because he loved, because he is love. And so we are called into the same state of being. We are to be like Christ. We are to love others because they're already loved, but we can help in making them aware of that. To believe in Jesus and to love others aren't just nice ideas, but commands. The verse says, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. We are to be obedient to those commands, to believe in the name of Jesus and to love one another. Obedience isn't the enemy. It's 
wrong interpretation, I think, has crept into our lives in a way that says to be obedient is to deny oneself. To be obedient is unfair or even unjust. And for some reason, it feels like we've favored that way of living. It's to have our own rules, our own way of doing things. It's to say, as long as you're happy. That's not the way that we were created. And it's not the way that we live a fulfilled life. My gran, who I was mentioning earlier, who goes around in her uh, automobile. No, it's not that. Um, my gran, when she used to go out um, to share Jesus in other countries, she was a missionary, um, would pray, before she went out, she would pray and ask God, okay, how many of this thing, how many care packages do I need to take up to this village? She'd listen to God, and he would give her a number of things that she needed to take. She'd get up to where she was going, and it would be the exact right number of things that she needed to have with her. My gran is obedient, and oh my, is she fulfilled and joyful. How many times have you decided that you weren't going to do something because you just didn't feel like it? Or you had two things on on the same day, and you decided that you were going to scrap the first one even though you said you'd be there because the second one sounded a bit better. Loving others, I think, means staying true to your word even if it costs you. It means being obedient to the word of God in circumstances where it would be easier to just do what makes you happy. Yes, obedience can be sacrificial, but look at what Jesus did for us. He sacrificed himself. When I see what's being asked of me, what's being asked of us in line with obedience, it's that we're called to believe in the name of Jesus, the one who loved you, loved me, enough to die for us. The man who, whilst physically on earth, healed the sick, loved the poor, turned cultural norms on their head, and then to love other people like he's done. The idea of being obedient doesn't feel like the enemy. If anything, the enemy is to turn my back on the one that created me, that knit me together in my mother's womb, to be so selfish with my life that I choose not to love others and to put their needs before my own. To help my brothers and sisters, which is everyone. Now, being disobedient feels like the worst way to live. So... Why do we think that a life of obedience to God feels like we may be missing out? Because to me, that seems so far from the truth. If God is the creator of the universe, if he's the creator of us as human beings, it seems to me that he's going to have the best blueprint of how we live our lives. I am not very good, this is my confession to you guys, um, I am not very good at studying my Bible. I find it really hard work, not going to lie. And I get a little lost sometimes, so it can put me off actually doing it. But if I allow that to outweigh the truth and the life that I could find when I do open my Bible, then I'm not able to know Jesus and to love others half as well as I could. My obedience in living a Jesus-like life of love is just going to stand still. And I'm going to be left with a pretty stagnant faith.
The joy of a relationship with God in fellowship with him is that we live in him and he lives in us. And we know this, as the verse tells us, by the spirit that lives in us. Our beloved Christopher Landau, um, who is leaving us, uh, has been known among our staff and probably among us as kind of the Holy Spirit guy here at All Days. Um, He's really passionate about Christians knowing the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And this um, kind of whole thing reminded me of what he said a couple of weeks ago um, as he was leaving, doing a little leaving interview. Um, He talked about um, us receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit Yes, like us receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and not allowing it to help our fellowship with God flourish. And then he said, it's like receiving a book and you never open it. If you are feeling stagnant in your faith, as I'm sure we all have at different points, if you've known Jesus for a really long time but are just finding it hard to love him, to love others, to be obedient, then invite the Holy Spirit to awaken you. As a youth pastor, I have been able to take the youth away to summer festivals um, for many, many years. And when we return, the youth quite often say they just don't feel like they connect with God in the same way as they did whilst they were away. Or they don't feel like they hear from God or just encounter him in the same way. Life just goes back to normal when it's like, that was a great week, but what next? And sometimes, um, no, and someone really helpfully said to me when I was a young person, um, when I went away to Soul Survivor and things, um, something that I now tell the young people, passing it on, um, is that part of why we know God closer when we're at Soul Survivor, New Wine, some of those youth festivals, other festivals, um, is because we've given God a whole week of our time. We've given him our attention. We've uh, given him the space to speak to us. We have allowed him to kind of move in our lives. We are there to worship him for a long time. We're allowing him to do as he pleases in our lives. And when we come back, we just don't give him the same time of day. It's not safer for us to go our own way without loving others, without loving God. If you think that your life is going to be easier, safer, simpler, without God, then you're mistaken. Why do we think that turning up at church is enough for us to be living life to the full? Fellowship with God isn't about what we get from him by doing things that are good. It's not about the peace that he gives us or hope that we receive or eternal life even. It's about being able to know and worship the creator of the universe to understand that we get to be loved and that we get to love the one who went to the cross and died for us. To believe in Jesus Christ, to love others and to be obedient to him simply becomes the biggest blessing that we could ever hope for. So whether it is your first time in church tonight or you just heard about Jesus at a nativity or just this evening or if you've been to church who knows how many times, It really can be simple. Don't wait to believe in him, to love others and to be obedient to him, the one who loves you enough that he died for you. Amen. The band I'm going to invite up, um, and as I've kind of been thinking about this, the verse is so simple, and I think 
actually a way of responding to what it says is just kind of reiterating what it says. So as the band worship, why don't you stand? Um, I just want to give you a few different ways that you might want to respond um, and have a think whilst we worship. But um, maybe this is the first time you've heard about Jesus and maybe you want to say yes to believing in who he is tonight. Maybe you're finding it really hard to love others at the moment, really, really hard, and you need the help of the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. Or maybe it is obedience, obedience to Christ that you need help with. Or maybe it's just that you want to be simply filled with the Holy Spirit this evening.